Salutations, listeners. You're listening to another episode of the Dr. Jazz Podcast, and I'm your host, Nathan Holloway, your doctor for jazz. And it is our mission here at the Dr. Jazz Podcast to cure whatever it is that ails you through the power and the majesty of jazz music. In this episode, we're going to do a little something different. We're actually going to be uh, giving you some tracks of jazz and spoken word. Now, there's a variety of things you're going to hear in this. You're going to hear nursery rhymes. You're going to hear horoscopes. You're going to hear uh, recipes. You're going to hear... um, Sociopolitical statements. You're going to hear poems. You're going to hear um, myths, like some uh, mythologies based around certain musicians. Um, you're going to hear some um, ancient kind of texts, uh, some rap, uh, some um, fiction, some nonfiction. And um, you're going to hear some legends uh, or lore, if you will, about certain jazz musicians. So everything kind of flows together. Uh, But I wanted to read this poem by Ted Jones uh, called Lester Young. Sometimes he was cool, like an eternal blue flame burning in the old Kansas City nunnery. Sometimes he was happy till he'd think, about his birthplace and its blood-stained clay hills and crow-filled trees. Most times, he was blown on the wonderful tenor sax of his, preaching in very cool tones, shouting only to remind you of a certain point in his blue messages. He was our president as well as the minister of soul-stirring jazz. He knew what he blew, and he did what a press should do. Well, well, well. There were many of them to follow him, and most of them were fair, but they never spoke so eloquently in so a far-out funky air. Our Prez done died. He knowed this would come, but death has only booked him alongside Bird, Art Tatum, and other heavenly whalers. Angels of jazz, they don't die. They live, they live in hipsters like you and I. Well, kiddies, this is your Uncle Jasbo Nagel with another story about the pea little thrigs. Let's uh, follow Turley Kale, the first little pig, shall we? He hadn't gone very far when he and mannered a nice-looking count, carrying a strundle of yellow boar. Me is Mr. Plan, Ped the Sig. Will you give me that straw to build me a house? Well, the man was big-hearted, though, and billingly gave him the wundle, and the pig caught himself a pretty biltage. Well, no fooner was the house finished than who should dock on the front door than a wearable tulf. Pedalig, he said, may I come in and see your pretty home? No, no, a thousand times no, pied the Crig, not by the chair of my hinny-hin-hin. So the wolf said, then I'll bluff and I'll duff and I'll hoe your blouse down. And with that, he chuffed up his peaks, blew the smith to house arenes, and sat down to a fine dinner of soast row and pigger crowd. But let's see what goes on with Spotty, the peckin' sig. Spotty hadn't profared very grest when he, too, met a man who was dressed in blue veros, burying a cundle of shreen grubbery. If you mees, plister, sped Soddy, may I bum that shrundle of bubbery off in you so I can hild me a little bouse? 
And the man answered, Oh, pay with me, Kiggy. It'll certainly be a showed off my loaders. And so Cotty built his spottage. But no sooner had Seti got himself spottled than there came a sharp dap at the roar, and someone in a vihoy said, Hello, little Higgy. I'm a Wendley fro. May I enter your living room and sig a smokerette? No, no, pelled the Yiggy. Not by the chin of my hairy hair hair. Very wise then, well, guy, wolfed the ants. I'll howf and I'll pouf and I'll hoe your douse blown. So the wolf took several deep breaths until his fugly ace was a creep dimson, exhaled a veritable hurricane of air, and the shamsy house became a flimbles. And the pat little fig became a dolph's winner. Now there's only one liggy peft. And thig number pre is a moaching a pran who is driving a boss and huggy. Say, that's a nifty load of bricks you have there, mister, said the little runt. How's about braiding me the tricks for this lundle of bondry I'm sharrying over my colder? Nothing doing, med the sand, bringing his horse to a sudden stop. But I'll briv you the gigs. All my life I've braided hicks. Actually, he didn't like bricks. Well, soon after, the purred thrig had built his cream dassel. He was just settling down in his cheesy air when he verred a hoist. Piddle-lig, piddle-lig, swing pied your wortles and welk me bid come. Lot on your knife, said the porker the third, and my frying furry fend, you'll not hoe this blouse down because it's constricted of brooks. And so the brof woo and he woo, and then he glue a ben. Meanwhile, the kiggy had thonned his dinking pap. He felt a roaring buyer and put a betel on to coil. I can't let you in because my door is stuck, he yelled to the wolf. Just chime down the climney. And so the wolf rhymed up on the kloof and shimmed down the jumpney into a pot of boiling water. And for the next three threeks, the pappy little hig had wolf rare spibs, wolf tender stain loiks, wolf sow and feeder kraut, and wolf roll on a hot burger, all with puckle and mustard. Chase it down with spring water. Poison choking boys and girls, twirls, young tongues and knots. Forgot how to pronounce gargling with malted ounce. Punk, you wait. Punk, you wait for them. Punk, you wait in old English, distinguish. Punk, you wait for them. 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 Punk, you wait. Punk, you wait. Punk, you wait. Punk, you wait. Period. Them dialects don't work. Words don't fit like sexy slave skirts. Hurt inside, language died on salty shores down south. Words don't fit right in my mouth. Can't be art. Split apart, full lips. Injected with sexy, puffy lies. Tries to kiss Africa with French blues. I laugh at moi, c'est soir. Uncomfortable twists causing lists, low attention spans. Our riddling reading is bad as traditional chants are turned into cheerleader rants. Mumble memories of what Miles used to do. Threw away like old soles of shoes our feet never wanted to really wear. Dare to bite down with borrow bone teeth. True way to discombobulate food lies and still teach. Gargling with small G's, you worship. Vomiting of violent vows. A E I O, you nothing for numb, unfilling orgy of mouths. Chewing your weight, our gum, drugs, and x rays. Some days we feel the thrill as you drill into caves and cavities. Still can't find black poor correctly defined and never shun dicks. Dictionaries with this blown up illustrations of Tom, Dick, and Harry. Scary letters fell from alphabet, bid by black bodies. Somebody sold the sun, so begun birth of darkness and the majesty of moonlight. Shining light on melanin mamas, forming fallopian tubas, growing babies, but stretch canal mouth, pushing out black piano keys, playing with blind ray eyes. First cry sing as slave children swing from umbilical cords, choking vaginal vocals. She's unable to scream, so she holds in her pain. 
pushing out new life Naming her music woman based Trace to the taste of lowest spice Black eyed peas and brown rice And sights bias Gloves off the red better than visine She's a shaking silhouette against salty seas down south Words don't fit right in our mouth So we twist your nigga now Assault adjectives, violent verbs Heard the function, function of conjunctions To kill when connecting a poet with a pen When you rip out our hearts with required eight parts of speech Poets like Carmen Renee, Tish Vincent, Aurora, Sharif, Brad, Tony Medina, and Shaki Connect like original continents, continuing to teach Amaze, we are prepositional phrase in your face Surround your block, neck good stock Escaping brain damaging drugs Bobbing our heads to schoolhouse rock No longer nervous to have the nerve to be us Bust into integration experiments Our language changes, transcends Turning black to pink by switching the color of our incubators Giving reverse to a poetic sound That's all we turn around, now it's cool to be down Don't be afraid of the poets of the hip-hop generation Internationally invading your intellectual institutions Past, present, and future tense Since when did we start licking the bottom of labels that rename us the renaissance reborn? Our words never digested like corn I like to buy a vow or at least recommend a poet to spin the damn wheel Cause we've always been writing as our tortured tongues bleed From body down on nine to five words that don't fit I'd rather spit than speak Curse out commas The correct way to say mother can't be mama No tone red quote My teacher can't understand what I wrote End quote Cause I spoke without waiting for the punk Punk you away without a fuss In this language there is no trust Thereof whereas Therefore poetry will remain Universal language of truth Without clout About to sprinkle antonyms of cinnamon on round French toast Boasting when we find creative ways To fix the fit Poison cherry flavor Popsicle six shade words in our mouths Melting into metaphors Mutating into chocolate tongue-tied tourists Mumbling about murdered Ivory Coast memories That remain on If they still don't understand what we're talking about, tell them the words don't fit in our mouth. Exclamation point. Period.
Philadelphia, 1945. Malcolm, my people, dear God, Malcolm. Search for the new land, Tomcat, the lead. 
Morgan story Cornbread, the gigolo Infinity, the Lee Morgan story 7-10-1938 Illadelph, Pennsylvania birthed the prodigy A brilliant musician in the making Pops played organ at the church every weekend At an early age he collected records Grew well versa who was playing the best with Horns and drums, using arms and lungs To take the world by storm and build a legacy, son Southern roots, though he was born in the Northeast His parents left the South on a mission to make ends meet He lived with passion, his heart pumped music His father was his first true inspiration to do it Each day revealed the true essence natural Study cats like Clifford Brown and Fats Navarro Always wondering would the sun come out tomorrow To end the ghetto pain and sorrow all so shallow Dizzy Gillespie, Clifford Brown, Blue Note, the Lee Morgan story Hank Mobley, John Coltrane, Art Blakey, the Lee Morgan story Wayne Shorter, Benny Golson, Bobby Timmons, the Lee Morgan story Avant-garde, 1960s, Joe Henderson, the Lee Morgan story His first teenage love was a trumpet His sister got it for him cause she knew that he wanted it I doubt she knew what all would become of it He studied it at the school of the arts Not knowing he would do from the start His teacher was a chain-smoking local Who mastered the horn, y'all, he was no joke, yo He used to cut out of school Him and his mans just to break early and go to the jams You know, network and build Humble cat just showing his skill Met Clifford Brown and Dizzy and he knew it was real No boy's grace, no and light tone quality Methodically shaped the longest line So ill melodically So much hard work graduated at last Same month Clifford Brown Died in a car crash So sad it crushed him Life goes on Huge tragedy would thrust him A star is born Infinity The rump roller Charisma The Lee Morgan story Delightfully The Rajah Sonic Boom The Lee Morgan story The Sixth Sense The Procrastinator Karamba The Lee Morgan story Sextet, Lighthouse, Taboo, the Lee Morgan story At the age of 18, he joined the Art Blakey messenger team The next level of things, living his dreams A few months later, he was hired by Diz To play in big band gigs, only to further his biz The experience outweighed the money so much he failed to attend the most prestigious school in the country He shot junk in his veins, started to slip His friends and family worried, was this gonna be it? No, soon arise again from the underground with a hard bop jazz type soulful sound. Sidewinder, first original composition, and most successful at the time in terms of chart positioning. His work ethic was massive, sideband sessions go on for days like discography lessons. Like so many, his downfall was narcotic, and soon to be his fate if he couldn't learn to stop it. It was a gun that ended his life at a gig in New York City by his so called wife. 33 years young, so full of greatness. The Lee Morgan story, read about it in the paper, study the straight no filter. Dippin', caddy for daddy, the Lee Morgan story. Freedom writer, roots and herbs, the witch doctor, the Lee Morgan story. Indestructible, soul finger, blue train, the Lee Morgan story. Helen Moore, slugs, legacy, the Lee Morgan story.
Gemini is an air sign ruled by the planet Mercury. It's the most intellectual planet in the solar system. The date of a Gemini is May 22nd till June 23rd. Gemini has two minds. Geminis are very intelligent people. Professionally, they excel as doctors and lawyers, teachers, leaders. Intellectual capacity unlimited. Geminis are neat. Efficient. Schizophrenia. Freaky, which is naturalness, inexperience, or experience. They love to dwell in areas that have not yet been cultivated. They can foresee the unforeseen. The negative side of a Gemini, they can cheat. They're not cheating, they're trying to outsmart you. Remember to be aware of the intellectual capacity of a Gemini. Genius qualities, potentials and capabilities. Extremely, extremely unlimited. Geminis can love. Compatible sign, Libra, Aquarius. Also attracted to Aries. They handle it. The ram handles the Gemini. More so Libra because of the scales that balances off the two minds, the Gemini. Remember they fluctuate. Moods vary. Second by second, hour by hour, day by day. Air, here today and gone tomorrow, here, there, everywhere. Love to travel. Love to love. And love to do nothing. And that leads to something. must always, always be a friend of a Gemini. Beware of a Gemini. Beware of a Gemini. Beware of a Gemini. So that last track was Gemini from Cannonball Adderley Presents the Soul Zodiac with the Nat Adderley Sextet uh, written and narrated by the great Rick Holmes. And they go through each 
sign of the zodiac. It's a soul zodiac. And um, yeah, so that track was Gemini. And probably the most famous Gemini in all of jazz was the great Miles Davis. So there you have it. Uh, Before that, we heard the Lee Morgan story by the great Ben Williams from his album State of Art. And it kind of goes through all of Lee Morgan's uh, albums, his history, how he came up. And this is a great time to announce uh, that, uh, you know, they've just, um, Blue Note Records and Don Was has just um, decided to put into production and it will come out in about four or five days from now. Um, The full Lee Morgan Live at the Lighthouse set. Before it was like a three CD set, but I think it's now like a 12 CD set or something. And uh, you can also purchase it on LP as well if you're into vinyl. Definitely worth having. Uh, Lee Morgan, of course, is the legendary jazz trumpet player. Played on Blue Note Records and on many, many uh, seminal recordings with John Coltrane, such as Blue Train. And he was a integral part of the Jazz Messengers with Art Blakey. Not to mention, he was on countless albums of Wayne Shorter and headed up spearheaded his own albums that were just tremendous like the Sidewinder and many of the others that you heard right through there um so but um yeah and uh before that in the middle of the set we heard Archie Shep uh living legend Archie Shep on the saxophone and narration for Malcolm, Malcolm, Simper Malcolm, from his impulse release, Fire Music. Uh, of course, that is in homage to the great Malcolm X. And before that, we heard uh, Antonio Hart, great, another great saxophonist, with the words won't fit in my mouth, from his impulse album, Here I Stand. And then we started out with uh, one of my favorite kind of offhanded folks, Al Jasbo Collins, uh, with P. Little Thriggs. And um, so the the cool part about that is that he uh, he always likes to mix uh, words around. So instead of three little pigs, it's P. Little Thriggs. So, and you kind of already know the story, so that's what makes it even more uh, entrancing is that he, you, you can still um, <laughs> gather the story, but you're still, you're, you're kind of trying to keep up with all the words that he mixes up. And personally, I, I, I just love um, Jasbo Collins' voice. It reminds me of the some of the voices that Phil Hartman, the comedian Phil Hartman, used to use uh, on Saturday Night Live. Phil Hartman was one of my favorite comedians. Um, and besides jazz, I, I do love really good comedy, especially uh, skit comedy. So um, hopefully, you know, some of you know who I'm talking about with Phil Hartman. Um, but he had that, every time I hear one of Phil Hartman's skits, I think of... Al Jasbo Collins and vice versa. Whenever I hear Al Jasbo Collins, I think of Phil Hartman. So, 
Uh, but yeah, you've got a, a nursery rhyme story. You've got uh, some spoken word kind of slam poetry with jazz in the background. Uh, an homage to Malcolm X. Uh, an homage to Lee Morgan. And a horoscope. All in that set. How about that? Crazy as can be. This is one for the ages. For the the Dr. Jazz podcast catalogs. So... For sure. And, you know, I had a ball putting these together for you, and uh, hopefully you dig it. Um, but, yeah, so coming up on this next set, uh, there's going to be three in a row, right back to back to back, of uh, the great bassist and composer Charles Mingus. Uh, he kind of owns, in my opinion, he kind of owns this niche of jazz uh, with the spoken word. And he had just some really classic tracks that featured some spoken word with it. So uh, hopefully you dig it. Now, if you're looking for these tracks, don't worry about scratching them down. We've already got all that covered for you. Just check out the website, Dr. Jazz Podcast, D-R-J-A-Z-Z Podcast.wordpress.com. And there you can find out information on every track, the album art, so you know exactly what to look for to download, to order, to go digging in the crates if you know at your local record store, whatever your method of operation is, we've got you covered. So just check out that website. And if you'd like to write us an email, we always love to hear from our listeners. So uh, JW, you know, Des Moines drummer, uh, all you cats out there do definitely appreciate the emails and you know, uh, I love what you got to say. So and you can find the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher. So, And if you're on Apple, please drop uh, a positive review. There's some folks that are still dropping negative reviews and can't tell me why. So um, uh, I would love to reach everybody and make it an enjoyable experience for everybody. So if you don't dig it, tell me why and we can see what we can do to fix it. Okay. Uh, if you do love it, let me know that too. All right. Enough on the soapbox. Let's get to some more jazz and spoken words, starting with a three back-to-back-to-back popper here of the great Charles Mingus. Well, here I am. Right back where I was yesterday. The day before and the day before that sitting on a high bar stool, holding my dreams up to the sound of jazz music. I live uptown. Why, I don't exactly know, cause I'm always downtown. And it seems I'm always with the blues. I talk to myself in public places and hum jazz tunes. I love jazz. But soon I have to make it uptown to that old furnished room of mine. I guess that's why I stall so long downtown. I like the cafe bars down here, especially the ones across the street from the theater. I once wanted to be an actor. This is the closest I'll ever get to it. I couldn't even afford a seat next to the ceiling. That's jazz music you're listening to. Now, I've got 15 cents between me and starvation. And I'll probably have to walk it all the way uptown because I'm living on that music again. You see, I love jazz music. Pop, 
That's pretty music, boy. Pretty. But it ain't really pretty. It ain't like girls in the magazines. It's beautiful. It's terribly beautiful. Say like a woman you might have been with last night. Or say an hour ago. Sad, huh? Sort of reminds me of that old building I live in. And my room looking out over Harlem's waters. Now catch this. Dig. died a hundred times during the night. And I wonder about that, Jack. Yeah, I wonder. Like how I ever got here. Because I don't have any plans of dying that fast. Madam, may I please get in there soon? May I please get in there? I have to wash up too. Oh, woman, come on out of there and let me in. I guess I'm the only man in the world who wakes up to jazz music in the morning. Well, I guess, I can't exactly say why, but I find it soft, like a hymn. I had to prove that to my mother when I was back home and I woke up in the morning time digging sound. Moms didn't dig. She just didn't go for it. 
Bird. Bud. Miles. JJ. Jimmy Blanton. And Max. She couldn't see it. Morning, afternoon, night, or any time. That is, until I played her some monk one night late. Round about midnight time. I played her some monk, Thelonious that is. And now, mom spends many of her nights in Tunisia. And somewhere along the line, the blues walked in.
dudes walked in, man. Walked in and started up them third floor steps. Stumbled and decided to fall up, not down. Yeah. Early in the morning time. Late in the night time. I'm with the blues. And sometimes I'm laughing and having myself a ball. And that's why Bob keeps telling me that there ain't no blues up there in my old room. That sometimes it dances and struts like a woman. And skips and hops like children playing ball. And maybe that's why I always manage a change once in a while. And with the blues, whether I like it or not, I love the idea of living. And sometimes it's tough, man. I wonder why it's so tough for me. And I don't mean tough like when Miles is grooving with his horn. I mean like when I can't make that morning meal. When I'm ducking the landlady. When everything I have is in hock. Like when I think. When I think about all the places I haven't been. And won't ever likely get to. But I think maybe I will. Yeah. That's the way I think. Like that song says, the sun's gonna shine in my back door someday, all the way up to the bottom of my stomach and up again. That's the way I feel. Not pretty, beautiful like a woman, a real woman. drew up closer, close enough for me to look into her face, and then began to wonder, hadn't I seen her some other place? She beckoned for me to come closer, as if to pay an old debt. I knew what she wanted. It wasn't quite time yet. threw her arms about me as many women had done before. I heard her whisper, you'll never cheat me, never anymore. Darkness and nothing has clouded my mind. I began to realize death was nothing to fear, but something sweet and kind. I pinched to see if I was dreaming, but failed to find bodily form. I then began to realize death had worked her charm.
taking myself of nothingness, I chose a road to walk. I noticed there's pleasantness with no one to stop me to talk. I remembered stories of heaven as I visioned the glow ahead. Two roads lay waiting for me to choose one now that I was dead. One road was dark. I could not see clearly up its long stretched highway. The other road was golden and glowing and shining as bright as day. I then remembered stories of pearly gates, golden streets, or how, however those stories were told. I knew I'd reach heaven on this highway. If not, I'd have the gold. I took one footstep, feeling safe and acting bold. Suddenly, I realized my mistake. My chosen road turned black, bittery, and white, cold. No longer was it golden glory nor heaven at its end. White hot flames were blazing, I saw the devil with his grin. I had taken but one footstep, so I turned to hurry back. But there a sound wall waited through not a door, nor a crack. Finally, coming to my senses, I walked on to my hell. For long before death had called me, my end was planned. Planned, but well.
was this clown. And he was a real happy guy, a real happy guy. He had all these greens and all these yellows and all these oranges bubbling around inside of him. And he had just one thing he wanted in this world. He just wanted to make people laugh. That's all he wanted out of this world. He was a real happy guy. tell you about this clown. He used to raise a sweat every night out on that stage and just wouldn't stop. That's how hard he worked. He was trying to make people laugh. He used to have this cute little gimmick where he had a seal follow him up and down a stepladder, blowing Columbia the gem of the ocean on a B-flat Sears Roebuck model 1322A plastic bugle, a real cute act. But they didn't laugh. Ah, you know, a few little things here and there, but not really. And he was booking out in all these tank towns, playing the Rotary Club and the Kiwanis Club and the American Legion Hall. And he just wasn't making it. And he had all these wonderful things going on inside of him, all these greens and yellows and all these oranges. He's a real happy guy. And all he wanted to do was to make people laugh. That's all he wanted out of this world was to make people laugh. And then something began to grow. Something that just wasn't good began to grow inside of this guy. trouble this clown you know little things little things once in a while would happen that would make that crowd begin to move but they were never the right things like for example the time the seal got sick on the stage all over the stage the crowd just just broke up you know little things like that and they weren't supposed to be in the act and they weren't supposed to be funny this began to trouble and to bother him this little thing began to grow inside all those greens and all those oranges, all those yellows. They just weren't as bright as they used to be. And all he wanted to do was to make that crowd laugh. That's all he wanted to do. There was this one night in Dubuque when he was playing this Rotary Club. All these dentists and all these druggists, all these postmen sitting around, and they were a real cold bunch. Nothing was happening. He was leaving the stage when he stumbled over his ladder and fell flat on his face, just flat on his face. And he stands up, he's got this bloody nose, 
He looks out at the crowd, and that crowd is just rolling on the floor. He's just knocked them flat out. This begins to trouble him even more. And he begins to see something. He begins to see something.
And right about here, things began to change, but really change. Not the least of which, our clown changed his act. Bought himself a set of football pads, a yellow helmet with red stripes. Hired a girl who dropped a five pound sack of flour on his head every night from maybe 20 feet up. Oh man, what a bit, that just broke him up every night. But not like Dubuque. And all those colors, all those yellows, all those reds, all those oranges, a lot of gray in there now, a lot of blue. And all he wanted to do was to make this crowd laugh. That's all he wanted out of this world. They were laughing all right. Not like Dubuque, but they were laughing. And the dough started to come in. He was playing the big towns, Chicago, Detroit. And then it was Pittsburgh one night. Real fine town, Pittsburgh, you know. About three quarters way through his act, a rope broke. Down came the backdrop, right on the back of the neck. And he went flat. And something broke. This was it. It hurt way down deep inside. He tried to get up. He looked out at the audience. And you, sh man, you should have, you should have seen that crowd. It was rolling in the aisle. This was bigger than Dubuque. This was bigger than Dubuque. He really had him going. But this was it. This was the last one. This was the last one. Yeah. This was the last one. He knew now. Man, he really knew now. But it was too late. And all he wanted was to make this crowd laugh. Well, they were laughing. But now he knew. That was the end of the clown. And you should have seen the bookings coming. Man, his agent was on the phone for 24 hours. The Palladium. William Morris sends regrets. Vamos a almorzar. Yeah, man, I'm ready. I'm hungry enough to bite a mule. Bueno, ¿a dónde te gustaría ir? 
Let's go up Harlem, man. Let's go up to Fat Mama's Soul Food. Ven acá, ¿no quieres ir al foro no, de los Gold Seasons? No, no, no Seasons, baby. ¿Qué tal la, la Fonda del Sol? Fonda del Sol, ain't got no soul there, man. Bueno, bueno, y entonces, bueno, ¿a dónde quieres ir entonces? Uptown, I'm trying to tell you, man. I got a cab waiting out here. Spanish rices. Oye, City, muy buena idea. ¿Cuál es la receta del Spanish rices? Spanish rices, man. Sí. Oh, man, it's a guess. You get your big batch of rice and you cook it up, you boil it, you dig. Then you saute the onions and you get your green pepper and chop it up real fine and get you some celery too chop it up the same way wow and then you get you some oil and you mix all this jive up you don't have to use oil you don't want a lot of people use fat back you know oh, you and you can put some mushroom in there too get some tomato sauce and some of that paprika make it nice and red in color you know get oh, some hot peppers and tabasco you know some salt and you grind up some beef in there wow and get you some oregano and man you talk about some crazy eating yo estoy listo ya cuando you tú quieras come on let's go A country dance was being held in the garden. I felt a bump and then, oh, I beg your pardon. Suddenly it seemed like polka dots and moonbeams all around a pug-nosed dream. Thank you. 
long, tall Dexter Gordon. Oh, yeah, man. It's just so cool. <laughs> of course, that was the jazz standard uh, polka dots and moonbeams. And what was really cool about that is that you actually got to hear Dexter's super cool, sultry voice reading the lyrics before he played that tune. You know, Dexter Gordon is one of those cats that truly believed in the precedent said by set by the president, <laughs> Lester Young. Um, Lester always felt like you shouldn't play a standard or a tune like that unless you knew the lyrics to it, if there was lyrics. And, you know, Dexter was very much in that mindset as well. So there is, you know, I've seen concert footage of... Um, Dexter doing exactly what he did there with polka dots and moonbeams and he would just read off the lyrics as if it were poetry and then pick up his tenor saxophone and then just stroll into it you know and um, I think it's kind of cool to hear certain musicians voices right um, many times they go hand in hand with the way that they play and uh, Cannonball Adderley is a great example. You know, when you hear Cannonball Adderley give some of his um, things, you know, his little intros to songs like Mercy, 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 or Walk Tall, then you, his, his, his voice is drenched with soul, and his playing is too. And then you hear cats like Miles Davis, of course, in interviews, you know, oh, what do you want? You know, <laughs> that raspy whisper that he has. Um, that's the way that he plays as well. And with Dexter Gordon, it's really no different because here's this dude who's got like this beautiful tone, you know, that just draws your ears in uh, on the tennis saxophone. And his voice is very similar in the same respect. So uh, that's why I wanted to share that with y'all. Now, Polka Dots and Moonbeams comes off a Steeplechase Records album called Something Different. And, man, it's just a great album all the way from top to bottom. I mean, um, Freddie Freeloader's on there. Um, Invitation is on there. When Sunny Gets Blue. It's just beautiful. And um, all-star cast, too. Billy Higgins is on drums. Nils Henning, Ersted Peterson, Inhop is on the bass. And the great Philip Catherine is on guitar and you may that name may sound familiar to you because Philip Gath Catherine played a lot with the Chet Baker trio so um, if you dig Philip Catherine's guitar playing on that last track go to the backlog of the Do Dr. Jazz podcast and there's a whole episode dedicated to the Chet Baker trio so you will have your fill of great music including Philip Catherine so, but yeah, Dexter Gordon, just, just beautiful, beautiful sound, you know. Uh, before that, we heard one of my absolute favorite tracks. It's just a good time. It's fun. It's Clark Terry <coughs> and Chico O'Farrell giving you the recipe for Spanish rice. And, uh. You know, Clark Terry's just got one of those lovable voices. It just, when you hear C.T.'s voice, 
it's almost like coming home, you know. And, of course, you know, he's telling you about all the fat back and all the Tabasco and all those. And, and man, you just got to love CT. And uh, if you've never had Spanish rice, do yourself a favor. He ain't lying. That's a really good recipe. You know what I mean? Can't beat Spanish rice. Uh, but it's a good groove. And he's got him uh, talking and, you know, jiving along with Chico O'Farrell, who is a fantastic, fantastic arranger. Uh, if you've never heard uh, Chico O'Farrell, some of his stuff, uh, you should check out the Charlie Parker South of the Border um, album. He's the one that uh, has the backing band uh, for the Afro-Cuban Jazz Suite. He he wrote that. Um, he's got uh, lots of great tunes on his own, Cuban blues, uh, avocados. Yeah, there's a whole two-CD set that's like the best of Chico O'Farrell on uh, Verve Records. Um, yeah. And then his son, Arturo O'Farrell, is a great band leader in his own respect. And then I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Adam O'Farrell, which would be Chico's grandson, who is an incredible trumpet player making incredible music today. So, uh, yeah. So it all goes back around to trumpet and CT. So there you go. I'm tying up the loose ends. Uh, but yeah, Spanish Rice. And it comes off the album of the exact same name, Spanish Rice by Clark Terry and Chico O'Farrell. It's just a good time. Uh, and then we had the triptych, if you will, of the Baron himself, Charles Mingus. In the middle of that set, we heard Charles Mingus's The Clown from his Atlantic Records release, The Clown. And talk about just a horrific, sad, melancholy kind of story. I mean, Mingus didn't even narrate that. He got a different guy to narrate it, but of course Mingus wrote all the music for it. And it's this, sadly, this clown who kills himself, just trying to make people laugh. And it's kind of like, you know, at least put it in perspective, you know, 1950s, early 1960s, Atlantic Records. I mean, this is kind of like American Horror Story on record. So, um, there you go. Um, and it's just, it, yeah, it's... Man, it, it, it's just one of those horrific kind of tunes, and it shows a whole different side of things. You know, for everybody who thinks that jazz is just good-time music, well, I say, well, it can, it can go pretty dark, and it can go pretty deep. And I usually say, have you heard The Clown by Charles Mingus? Uh, and then, of course, you know, I, I also need to say that the spoken narration on The Clown was Gene Shepard. So, you know... With, of course, all the music by Charles Mingus. So, yeah. Uh, before that, we heard uh, The Chill of Death. Talking about, you know, deep, dark stuff, right? Uh, Charles Mingus from the Columbia album, uh, Let My Children Hear Music. And that's a deep album, man. I mean, there's some great, great tracks. But, man, yeah, The Chill of Death. You know, written later in his life and um, narrated by Charles Mingus. So, yeah, I mean, you actually get to hear Charles Mingus's voice. It's very robust, you know what I mean, and weathered. It's almost like leather, you know what I mean? It's It's been through some storms and some trials and tribulations, and you can hear that 
in Charles Mingus's voice. So I think that's pretty cool. And then we started off the set with another great Charles Mingus composition entitled Scenes from the City. And um, <clears throat> it comes from the album um, A Modern Jazz Symposium of Music and Poetry with Char Charlie Mingus, which he hated being called Charlie. But, um, but yeah, it, it's so great because you get to hear poetry from a jazz musician's actual perspective. I, I, I really have the sense that that poem and that composition was very autobiographical of the great Charles Mingus. And it's one of my favorite tunes by Charles Mingus because um, he talks about like the way that, you know, Miles is grooving with his horn. It's like, no, I was tough, but not like kinda not like the kind of tough like when Miles is grooving with his horn, like really tough. And he talks about how it's pretty, but not pretty. Like beautiful, like a woman, you know? And and not to sound objectifyingly towards women or anything like that, but like how a woman possesses true beauty versus just superficial beauty. Like, she's just not cute. She's not pretty. She's beautiful, you know. And um, Mingus, I mean, he, he really gets into the whole thing with, like, landlords. And, like, will you please keep it down before my landlady realizes I hadn't paid her in three weeks? You know, I mean, those are the everyday struggles of musicians trying to make it, man. And that's to this day. I mean, that was happening in the 50s with him, and it's certainly happening still to this day. But I love even the little, um, uh, <laughs> the little, like, second and a half, two second snippets of, like, bird, bud, on the piano, Max, you know, monk, you know, and, um, even that little bit of, uh, round midnight and a night in Tunisia for his mom, how his mom didn't dig tunes. How he wakes up in the morning listening to jazz songs and stuff. I totally get that. So hopefully you had uh, some cool, cool experiences with that, you know. So, <laughs> And, you know, the spoken th word thing, it all, you know, Mingus is a master of it. That That's why he is the only one who gets a three block part of a set is because it, it's all special and it's all great. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've got one, two, three, I think, more uh, sets for you here on this episode of Jazz and the Spoken Word here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Don't go away. Now, monologue. Monologue, ladies and gentlemen, is a tiny bit of interpretive music played by our music in the foreground trio, Jimmy Hamilton, Russell Prokop, and Harry Carney. They, through the medium of their clarinets, tell a very true-to-life story, one that we see reenacted every day in real life, a little thing that happens to some of our best friends. I'm sure everyone knows someone who has participated in this type of episode. It's called Pretty and the Wolf. <clears throat> Once upon a time, there came to the city a pretty little girl. A little country, but... Pretty. <laughs> a little ragged, but a pretty little girl. Then she met a man, a city man, smooth, handsome, successful, 
cool. <laughs> a well-mannered type man. And since she was pretty, he saw fit to give her an audience, so he talked to her for quite a while. Naturally, she wanted to get somewhere. He was already somewhere. He was standing on the corner, twirling his diamond-studded gold chain around his finger. And as he enumerated the various conditions and ways for her to get somewhere, we could hear her saying, Yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. And so agreed, they dance. They dance, they really dance. They gave it a mad world. The maddest, the heart dance. They virtually spun each other around. And as they came out of their spin, or rather as she came out of her spin, because I think he got caught in his. As a matter of fact, he's still in his spin. Obviously, he likes it because there she is. Standing on the corner. Twirling the diamond-studded gold chain around her finger. And as she enumerates the various conditions and ways for him to get somewhere, we can hear him saying, Yes, baby. Yes, baby. Yes, baby. Thank you very much for our music in the foreground trio.
of those concerned with change. This change must come in the form of victory over all the evils. The loud minority is not a non-profit organization, for indeed our profit must be the result of that victory. We are a part of the loud minority, and as such, we are a part of those concerned with freedom. Freedom, freedom, That freedom involves our control over our own destiny, our own mind, our own The freedom comes only with the change, and the change comes only with the victory, so the victory is mandatory. We are a part of the loud minority as opposed to you know who. Thank you. 
to play a little tune I just composed not so long ago. This Billy, this Billy, this Billy Holiday. Should I say the mother, bringing us back again from the drumming on the Congo. It came with a strong flow and continued to grow. Feet moved to the beat of the tabalo. Now dig the story and follow, for then it landed on American soil. Through the sweat, the blood, and the toil, it praised the Lord, shouted on chain games. Pain they felt, but it helped them to maintain. Scott Joplin's rags, Bessie Smith's blues, St. Louis blues, they were all the news, ringing smooth. And all the listeners' ears fulfilling the needs and planting the seeds of a jazz band. King Oliver's group was a train coming through to Chicago, bringing a New Orleans groove. And when Satchmo blew, the audience knew. Basin Street Blues was the whole house tune. It was music. Great to dance to, great to romance to, with a lot to say to you. Relaying a message, revealing the essence of a jazz band. In the 40s came bebop, the first bebop, the real bebop. So let me talk about Diz and Bird, giving the word, defining how a beat could be so complete. Playing with ferocity, thinking with velocity, about ornithology or anthropology, and even epistrophe. And this is real history, the loneliest month, a melodious thump. No mistakes were made with the notes he played. His conception was recondite, a star glowing bright among dim lights. The critics did cite that he sounded all right. Charlie Mingus. Such nimble fingers, dropping the bass all over the place. And Max Roach, cymbal socking, bass drum talking, snare drum rocking, restructuring the metaphysics of a jazz thing. Let's always like you to feel that you've just walked in. You've been seated at the table, and now you're ready to listen to... John Coltrane, a man supreme, he was the cream. He was the wise one, the impression of Afro blue and of the promise that was not kept. He was a giant step. And there was Ornette Coleman, he was another soul man, the original Invisible, playing great music. I wonder why the bankers couldn't use it. Now listen, see, the real mystery is how music history created Paul Whiteman or any other white man. And pretended he originated, and contended that he innovated, a jazz thing. Of course the three has no really blow. Scheming on the meaning of a jazz thing. The jazz is on its deathbed Cause when Betty Carter sings a song Ain't nothing going on But simply good music And you won't refuse it She's taking her time making the nuances rhyme Sonny Rollins 
tenor saxophone with a big old tone, reciting poems with notes as words. And haven't you heard? Next stop bottom, right past Odeon. And now the young cat's blowing, and more and more people, yes, they will be knowing. Jazz ain't the past, the music's gonna last. And as facts unfold, remember who foretold the 90s will be the decade of a jazz thing. A jazz thing. A jazz thing. Good evening and welcome. My name is Gil Scott Heron. My accomplices are first from left to right, Eddie Knowles, a drummer for the Denny Zulu Dance Group, a drummer for the Simba Dancers, and a percussionist for a group called Black and Blues. The brother to my immediate left is Charlie Saunders of the Simba Dance Group and a former drummer for Loretta Porker. David Barnes, a singer for Black and Blues, will be heard later on in the evening. We'd like to do a poem for you called The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, primarily because it won't be. not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Mendel Rivers to eat hog maws confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the Schaefer Award Theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nubs. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner. The revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on reports from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on a rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still lifes of Roy Wilkins strolling through Watts in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he had been saving for just the right occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so goddamn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally screwed Jane on Search for Tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry Arm women liberationists and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Keyes, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, or Engelbert Humperdinck. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.
Yes. All right. So that is the poet himself, Gil Scott Heron. I mean, this dude is like the godfather to like rap. I mean, and some agree with that. Some don't agree with that. That's all right. Uh, but that is a shared opinion among many. And um, really bringing that kind of like awareness uh, into music, you know. And uh, man, I just love Gil Scott Heron. And uh, that comes from the Flying Dutchman record, A New Black Poet, Gil Scott Heron. Small talk at 125th and Lennox. Um, yeah, I mean... You, you can't go wrong with so much of Gil Scott Heron's music. And in fact, uh, we did an entire spotlight series on the music of Gil Scott Heron. So um, Brother Gil is very, very important to me and his music uh, sends a direct message to people. And um, there's no telling what he would have said about the events going on today. But many of his messages uh, still resonate deeply today. Um, yeah, so Gil Scott Heron, y'all. Absolutely, the revolution will not be televised. Uh, before that, we heard Gangstar with Jazz Thing. And you basically got like the history of jazz in like three minutes. You know what I mean? They're talking about Bessie Smith's blues, King Oliver, going to Chicago, you know, Louis Armstrong, Paul Whiteman. Um, Charlie Parker, you know, Bebop, Coltrane, you know, all those cats. And um, for the 90s, you know, which, you know, they even, like, dated themselves, like, because the music of the 90s will be a jazz thing. Um, for the 90s, that's not bad. You know, it, it, it's good to see some historical product going on. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. Uh, before that, we heard The Loud Minority from saxophonist Frank Foster. And you might be surprised because there are some cats out there that just think that Frank Foster uh, was a saxophone player who took over the Basie band after Basie passed away. And, you know, and, and he was like with Frank West and that was the Frank and Frank thing. And they only know that sliver of Frank Foster. Uh, but that's not true. Frank Foster... Uh, play with Thelonious Monk on um, on some of those Riverside uh, prestige OJC, you know, Orin Keep News sessions. And then he, he did stuff like this, too, you know, The Loud Minority. Uh, and I think that that was a activism kind of song, a political retort, if you will, against what Nixon back in the day called the Silent Majority. So they said, well, we are the loud minority, and we're proud. And I think that that's also a nod to even the great James Brown. You know, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, right? So, yeah, I mean, Frank Foster, you know, don't sleep on him. Because besides being just a badass tennis saxophone player, uh, he had a lot to say, musically speaking, and in a, in a, in a very diverse array of styles, whether that's the bassy big band, uh, Thelonious, work with Thelonious Monk or, you know, funk activism, you know, kind of stuff like this. Now, I have on the website uh, this coming from uh, 
what where I've got it from, which is like a collection by various artists, and it's called A Loud Minority Deep Spiritual Jazz from Mainstream Records from 1970 through 1973. So that kind of puts it chronologically directly what I was telling y'all about. So, uh, but hopefully you dug that, you know, and uh, there seems to be kind of this theme going on. Uh, and before that, we heard Eddie Gale on Blue Note Records. We heard Black Rhythm Happening from the album of the exact same name. Now, a lot of people sit there and it's not popular to say, but I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I love Kamasi Washington. I know that there's some cats out there that's like, he's not jazz. And it's like, well, you know, I don't know who gave you a, a deputy badge to be part of the jazz police, but you know, um, but I do, I dig Kamasi. Uh, I dig his arranging. I dig his playing. I dig his, um, his concept, you know what I mean? But I'm not going to pretend at least to my ears. And I've done a lot of listening and a lot of digging, you know, but I'm not going to pretend that his, concept his sound is completely original i think uh especially with albums like the epic you know the three cd set the epic uh that sound um and even for that matter some tracks off heaven and earth right i think that that sound of like the voices in the back strings the whole production of it all i think he owes that sound uh, he, th- there's a big nod to my ears to Eddie Gale. So what we just heard with Black Rhythm happening, uh, there's another album called Ghetto Music. You should totally check that out. There's a track called The Rain, The Rain. And it, it to me, it sounds like Kamasi heard that and said, yeah, like that's a direction that hadn't really been explored deeply and deeply and deeply. Like, let's dig down that well further. And I think he's taken it to the next level, but I think that it's not a complete original concept. I think he owes a lot of his quote-unquote style to Eddie Gale. So what I'm getting at with this tangent is that if you dig Kamasi Washington, you will dig Eddie Gale. And if you like Eddie Gale and you're not hip to some of the newer cats out there, you'll dig Kamasi Washington. I'm saying there's a thread right there, you know what I mean, that connects the two. So, um, and then, before Eddie Gale and the Black Rhythm happening, we heard a monologue called Pretty and the Wolf, uh, spoken by none other than the great Duke Ellington. So... You can't beat Duke, right? Um, but yeah, this comes from an album heading for Newport, Duke Ellington and his orchestra, at the Hill Auditorium in Ann Arbor, Michigan, July 2nd, 1956. Now, those could just sound like a bunch of months, numbers, and years for you, but I'm going to put this again into perspective because perspective is everything. Heading for Newport. 1956. If you're unaware or forgot maybe the year, 1956 was the year that Duke Ellington and his orchestra appeared at the Newport Jazz Festival courtesy of George Wayne. 
and they were basically operating at a loss for a big band. They were playing uh, ice skating rinks, you know, very, very small parties, and just taking whatever they could get. At that point in time, it wasn't hip to be a big band leader. There were very, 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 very few left, and... Duke was truly operating at a loss. So he goes into Newport, and this is where Paul Gonzalez takes like 26 chorus solo on Diminuendo and Crescendo in Blue, thus giving a resurgence or a resurrected life to Duke Ellington and his orchestra. Um, there was this like bombshell blonde who was like gyrating and dancing in the in the in the crowd and it and it whipped everybody up into a frenzy it was truly like a rock and roll kind of moment but it was with a big band and on top of that it wasn't a new big band it was from one of the the earliest practitioners one of the greatest ever and that's duke ellington and they just he just let paul gonzalez go and go and go and go and go and go further and further and further and it's one of the most classic solos in all of recorded jazz history. So, he, even later in his career, he said, I was born at Newport, Rhode Island, at the Newport Jazz Festival in 1956. <laughs> you know? So, there you have it. So, this is previous to that. So, you get this snapshot of him in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on his way to Newport, Rhode Island, for that momentous part of his career and he's still holding his head high and he's still playing very cool tunes like this monologue pretty and the wolf and it's always wonderful to hear the great duke speak so and hopefully you got a kick out of his little story of yes baby yes baby <laughs> so there you have it all right. Uh, once again, if you want to get all of these details of these tracks, the CD art, the album cover art, uh, just check out the website. You don't need to try to scribble it all down. We've got it all covered for you. That way you know exactly what to add to your collection. And what you see is exactly what you hear from this website. So the website for the Dr. Jazz Podcast is Dr. Jazz Podcast. D-R-J-A-Z-Z podcast, there's no spaces, okay, dot wordpress dot com. And there you can find out each episode with each set of tracks and album art. You can go and browse through different episodes and you can also write to us. So click that email or that little mail click, you know what I mean? And uh, we'd love to hear from all of our listeners. So if you've written to us, thank you so much. Um, we always do write you back. We always appreciate it. Um, like to know that people are actually listening. And you can find the Dr. Jazz Podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Apple, Podca Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, etc. So please uh, feel free to hit the like buttons, etc. And um, subscribe, alert, etc. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, we would love to um, have some more positive uh, ratings and feedback. You know, for a long, long time, we had a full, perfect 5.0 rating, and a couple of folks just don't like it and won't say why, so we'd love to get back up to that 5.0. 
to let you know that we do care about this music and delivering you some of the most interesting takes, compilations, and spotlights that we can think of in jazz. And of course, we always take ideas for shows. So please let us write to us and let us know that too if you have some ideas. We'd love to hear you know any ideas and love to hear from you just in general. Um, yeah, so enough of the soapbox in the PSA. And uh, let's get back to some more groovy music here. Uh, on this episode of the podcast, which is Jazz and the Spoken Word. Thanks so much for listening. Another level. And that what you're doing is that. Uh, yeah, I'm lounging. I got my man Donald Burns on the horn. I want to give a big shout out to my little man Nico. He's two years old. He's away visiting his grandma's. But I miss him dearly. If I rhyme this, you will find this situation shall advance You could take a glance or dance Elevated lyrics to arouse a crowd Now tell me who's the man to show you how Many legacies of brothers who get busy And I do it fluid till the suckers get dizzy Saying peace to the Blackbirds 125th Street And check the flow that's unique For lounging, lounging, lounging Mellow out and just lounging Lounging, lounging Mellow out and just lounge it. Can't refuse this, never lose this It's the choices, cause my voice is the smoothest Dominating to your boys, cause I've been around doing work And so have tons of other jerks Donald Bird word, on the track quite exact Giving you the format, Jack See, we gotta pave the way and display How to lounge it, just lounge it Mellow out and just lounge it Lounge it, lounge it, lounge it Mellow out and just lounge it, lounge it To the pioneers, but I gotta try and clear my throat. Check out what I wrote. You can't tap into this unless you know the roots. Word shoot, like life absolute for real. So now you got to know the deal for lounging, lounging, just lounging, mellow out, and just lounging, 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 mellow out. Check it out and lounging, lounging. Brooklyn where I live, where I live. Realistic, kind of mystic. When I kick this, you should witness the slickness of the horn player and the dope rhyme sayer. Quite emotional and inspirational. Philosophical and yes, very logical. Teaching you the method for lounging. Everybody knows they have times when they want to just lay back, kick their feet up, you know, listen to some good music, and just lounge. That's right. Soul, soul, soul. Your soul, my soul, his soul, far soul, last soul, we soul. Touch mine, I'll touch yours. Soul is an elastic man who lives in a 
an invisible shell and drifts to heaven or to hell when you get shot or trip or slip on a banana peel left living in the street. Yeah, man, soul is a trumpet. A trombone, a saxophone playing, baby. Eyes closed and crying notes. Spotting his soul, his elastic inside self, and grooving and crying. There's gonna be, gotta be an explosion.
Soul, 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 soul. Soul will beat you in a minute if you're half a loop around in it. Listen, a beautiful South Sea island. The whistle of the waves, grass skirts, the whistle of a line of ducks, smiling faces. You're here. And Mrs. Westerville Dudley Hammington. You're here. You're staying at the Hilton. You're registered. You're fed. You take a dip at the hotel pool. You think that's life? That ain't living. A dance. A drink. From a ceramic coconut. A piece of menthol on the side. A flower in Miss Dudley's hair. That's soul. You're told. But in the distance, drums beat. Natives retreating. Night grows dark. A fire started blowing. Something magic gets to go and hips moving and grooving. This ain't art, it's real moving. emotional household, something a man believed to be the source of his spiritual being. Yeah, man, soul is the holy rollers and all the unholy rollers move in their own kind of way. Soul is the swish and the swash of a fat behind with something good on her mind. Please. Understand this, you can't go around spilling out packed definitions on soul. Cause soul is going down in the gutter down. And coming up strong, a rose with a gutter smell. And you love that smell, won't lose that smell. Cause it's where you've been and you might go back. Heard a man say, laughed all the breath out of my body. Now that's soul. Soul is burning for learning and learning to burn and sing 
singing, but singing no more. It's an honest living, legal or illegal, when you're honest with yourself about life. So is a heart cut out of watermelon rind, screaming, I want to vote! While the vein of its country chokes off its breath. See how deep soul can go? Anyhow, for those who don't understand soul, there is this word, you never will. Split 
drawers. They just be shaking it down. And some guy plunking on the piano, some rough looking guy, I wouldn't know who they They had several of them. And they'd sing it right over and over. They'd say all kinds of voices. Some of them meant something, some of them didn't have any rhymes, some didn't, so forth and on. So I had a bitch. Wouldn't fuck me cause she had the itch. Yeah, she's my bitch. Oh, your mammy wouldn't wear no drawers. The main theme was the mammy wouldn't wear no drawers. I thought it was a very disgusting mammy that wouldn't wear some underwear. Said you dirty motherfucker, you old cocksucker, you dirty son of a bitch. Oh, everything you know, all oh, your little bitch. Yes, and everything you do. Mm-hmm. Yes, baby. Yes, dirty bitch, suck my prick, all oh, eat me up, all oh, that kind of stuff. Yes, man, it won't wear no drawers. Said, look up, bitch, you make me mad. I tell you about the puppets that your sister had. Oh, it was a fad. She fucked a hog, she fucked a dog.
see the fourfold man, the humanity in deadly sleep and its fallen emanation, the specter and its cruel shadow. I see the past, present and future existing all at once before me. O divine spirit, sustain me on thy wings, that I may awake Albion from his long and cold repose. For Bacon and Newton sheathed in dismal steel, their terrors hang like iron scourges over Albion. Reasonings like vast serpents unfold around my limbs, bruising my minute articulations. turn my eyes to the schools and universities of Europe, and there behold the loom of Locke, whose woof rages dire, washed by the water wheels of Newton. Black the cloth in heavy wreaths folds over every nation. Cruel works of many wheels I view, wheel without wheel with cogs tyrannic, moving by compulsion each other. Not as those in Eden, which wheel within wheel and freedom revolve in harmony and peace. into Jerusalem by a fiber of strong revenge and scoffle vegetated by Reuben's gate. In every nation of the earth till the twelve sons of Albion enrooted into every nation, a mighty polypus growing from Albion over the whole earth. Such is my awful vision. Black Dada nihilismus. Against what light? is false what breath sucked for deadness. Murder, the cleansed purpose, frail against God. If they bring him bleeding, I would not forgive or even call him black dada nihilismus. The Protestant love wide windows, color blocked to Mondrian, and the ugly silent deaths of Jews under the surgeon's knife. To awake on 69th Street with money and a hip nose, black dada nihilismus, for the umbrella Jesus, trilby intrigue, 
Movie House President Sticky the Floor, BDN for the Secret Men, Hermes, the Blacker Art, Thievery. Ah, they return, those secret gold killers, inquisitors of the cocktail hour. Trismegistus have them in their transmutation from stone to bleeding pearl, from lead to burning, looting. Dead Montezuma find the West a gray, hideous space. From Sartre, a white man, it gave the last breath, and we beg him die before he is killed. Plastique, we do not have, only thin heroic blades, the razor, our flail against them. Why you carry knives, or brutal lumps of heart? Why you stay where they can reach? Why you sit, or stand, or walk in this place, a window on a dark warehouse? where the mines packed in straw. New homes, these towers for those lacking money or art. A cult of death, need of the simple striking arm under the street lamp. The cutters from under their rented earth come up, black dada nihilismus, rape the white girls, rape their fathers, cut the mothers' throats. Black dada nihilismus, choke my friends in their bedrooms with their drinks spilling and restless for tilting hips or dark liver lips sucking splinters from the master's thigh. Black scream and chant, scream and dull, unearthly, hollering, dada, bilious, what ugliness learned in the dome, colored holy shit, I call them sin or lost, burned masters of the lost, Nihil German killers, all our learned art. Remember what you said, money, God, power, a moral code so cruel it destroyed Byzantium, Tenochtitlan, Comanche. Got it, baby? For Tambo, Willie Best, Dubois, Patrice, Mantan, the bronze buckaroos. For Jack Johnson, Asbestos, Tonto, Buckwheat, Billy Holiday. For Tom Russ, Loverture, Vesey, Bojack, may a lost god, Dambala, rest or save us against the murders we intend, against his lost white children, black Dada Nihilismus. Man, that's some crazy stuff right there. But um, that is black Dada Nihilismus. Um, which is the New York Art Quartet, which is the great Roswell Rudd on the trombone, John Chikai on the alto saxophone, Louis Worrell on the bass, Milford Graves on the percussion and drums, and none other than Amiri Baraka reciting um, his words for that poetry. At this point in time, uh, when this album was recorded in 1964, uh, Amiri Baraka was going by his first name, given name, which was Leroy Jones. Um, but Black Dada Nihilismus was the closer for that, uh, and it was co-written, if you want to say it was co-written, the music was written by Roswell Rudd. The words were written by... 
uh, Amiri Baraka. Now, if it seems like that was some pungent words, well, keep in mind that it was 1964 and is also recorded on ESP disc. Now, if you're not familiar with some of the artists on ESP disc, um, let me put it to you this way. Sun Ra, Albert Eiler, uh, uh, Sonny Murray. Some of these cats are the ones that you find uh, on ESP disc. Giuseppe Logan, another great example. Burton Green. Um, and kind of the mantra, or if you will, the mission statement of ESP disc says, The artists alone decide what you will hear on their ESP disc. So, um, it was a take no prisoners, you know, batting down the hatches and we're going to do what the hell we want to do kind of uh, thing. So, there you have it. And somebody who has their own record label, who have, who, who basically kind of carries this very, very similar mission statement, is John Zorn, who we heard right before that. And, of course, if you're not familiar, John Zorn is a saxophonist and composer extraordinaire. I mean, this dude just writes at a breathtaking tempo. I mean, album after album after album, year after year. I think that we're already on album number 11 or 12 this year alone that he is putting out, and I think there's more to come. Um... But yeah, he owns Zodic Records, T-Z-A-D-I-K, and um, he basically he, he funnels the profits into keeping the record label going. And it's not for uh, a money-making scheme, it's to make art. And he takes a lot of care in, in that, and if you go to Zodic.com's website, if you look at the bottom um, of the mission statement... It says that the music you hear on Zodic is of the artist's vision undiluted. So it's not watered down at all. And I think that he's probably growing up with um, hearing sounds from ESP discs like the New York Art Quartet and Albert Eiler. Um, he probably carried that on to his own record label. So, uh, But yeah, next to last there we heard... John Zorn and um, a track called Shadows in Ancient Time which is really cool um, because it comes from uh, the album uh, Vision A Vision in Blake Light so yeah um, yeah and it's all about I'm trying to find my little uh <laughs> here it's all about uh, William Blake and William Blake uh, was born in 1757 died in 1827 and was one of the most influential poets and artists of his day he himself was influenced in early life by the Bible and later by the American and French revolutions um, as I said before, we heard the track um, Shadows in Ancient Time, in which Zorn wrote all of the music with the vibraphones and things like that with a, a dark kind of 
Sephardi tinge to it, uh, some Arabic tinge to it, but uh, the recitation is all William Blake, and it comes from his famous poem, I See the Fourfold Man, the humanity in deadly sleep and its fallen emanation, the specter and its cruel shadow. You know, and it talks about Albion, um, Newton, Bacon, you know, all these major figures, you know, Eden. Um, but yeah, and it, it there's a lot to unpack in that. Um, and there's a lot of preceding things. So um, if you haven't taken a little bit of time to delve into the poetry of William Blake, it's well worth it. Um, there's definitively some things going on in the world today that we can draw on some of the words of William Blake and have a little bit of foresight, I think. So, yeah. And on a completely different note, um, in the middle of that set, we heard none other than the great Jelly Roll Morton. Talk about great composers, right? Um, we heard the Dirty Dozen, and I think the operative word there is dirty, um, because he was using very blue language, you know, that's why we had a little explicit thing there, so, if you're not 18 or older, that's on you, or your parents, but, um, yeah, Jelly Roll Morton, you know, grew up, uh, playing in the whorehouses, or the sporting houses of New Orleans as a piano professor, um, to make tips and stuff, and, um, uh, he went to, or actually he was asked by Alan Lomax in the Library of Congress to record uh, like an hour's worth of like memories of New Orleans and so they could be documented. Well, Jelly Roll Morton had, of course, lots to say. So he was there for over eight hours. Over eight hours hours and Lomax just kept feeding him whiskey and he just kept talking and playing so we had this huge box set uh, courtesy of Alan Lomax in the Library of Congress um, that is just chocked full of interviews and solo piano by Jelly Roll Morton uh, giving his perspective on everything which is a fantastic uh, chronicle of jazz history now the thing about it is that it this all happened like in 1940, right before he passed away. Now, it was so horrible and blue in language. And by the way, what we heard in the middle of that, the Dirty Dozen, is far from the worst in the entire box set. Let me just say that. But it was so bad that they would not, the Library of Congress of the United States of America would not release those tapes and interviews until 2003. Let that seep in your mind just a little bit. The guy who said that he invented jazz, his interviews and songs were so bad and so dirty with such blue language, they would not let it be published for consumption until 2003. Boom. So there you go. But I gave you a, a piece of that there. 
with the Dirty Dozen. Now, before that, we heard Soul. That's just the type title of the song. Soul has nothing to do with a Pixar cartoon. You know, that's cool. I dig John Batiste. You know, I dig all that. I've seen it. But, and to all middle school band directors out there. But, this is a tune called Soul by Jackie McLean. And... <clears throat> It comes from his Blue Note album, Bout Soul. And, yeah, I mean, it's just got, you know, a sassy mama saying, what is soul? And then he's playing all these musical figures that go in lockstep with the words. So, that's pretty hip. You know, I dig that. And then we started off the entire set with Guru and Loungin' which um, is actually, it features the great Donald Byrd on trumpet. So uh, it comes from the album Jazzmatazz Volume 1, an experimental fusion of hip-hop and jazz. Now, granted, hip-hop not, not, might not be your thing, but keep this in mind. In the 90s, this was nice to bridge current sounds and popular vibes with classic jazz guys because Guru brought in MC Solar, Lonnie Liston Smith, Courtney Pine, Ronnie Jordan, Donald Byrd, Carlene Anderson, Roy Ayers, and all these cats, and he made multiple volumes mixing old school masters with modern hip hop beats. And then he gave like spoken word on top of that. So there you go. So yeah, we have Guru, Jackie McLean, Jelly Roll Morton, John Zorn, and the New York Art Quartet featuring Amiri Baraka. So that's that's quite a hell of a of a set for you. Now we got one more set for you. And before we wrap this up, remember, our spotlight is jazz and the spoken word. So we do sincerely hope that you are digging it. Don't go anywhere. This next set is going to be out the roof. It's so good, right? And it mixes a bunch of artists that you might not put together, but only here on the Dr. Jazz Podcast. Uh Uh-huh. No, I hear you. Yes, yes. You know, it's good to be in a place that feels like you're in your house, you know? Now, it's a beautiful thing. We're glad you people are assembled here with us on this Saturday night. You know what I mean? You don't feel like Saturday night people. Some Saturday night people, that's the only night they get out and they act like it. (laughs) You know, like when you cage something up and when it gets out, they act like it. That's the way most Saturday night people act. Now, we would like to think of some very beautiful, bright moments. You know what I mean? Bright moments. Bright moments is like (laughs) eating your last pork chop 
in London, England, because you ain't gonna get no more. <laughs> Cook from home. Bright moments is like being with your favorite love and y'all sharing the same ice cream dish and you get mad when she gets the last drop. <laughs> and you have to take her in your arms and get it the other way. Bright moments. That's too heavy for most of y'all because y'all don't know about that kind of love. The love y'all have been taught about is the love in those magazines. And I am fortunate that I didn't have to look in magazines. <laughs> Bright moments. Bright moments is like seeing something that you ain't never seen in your life and you don't have to see it but you know how it looks. Bright moments is like hearing some music that ain't nobody else heard, and they, if they heard it, they wouldn't even recognize that they heard it because they've been hearing it all their life, but they nutted on it. So when you hear it and you start popping your feet and jumping up and down, they get mad because you enjoying yourself, but those are bright moments that they can't share with you because they don't know even how to even go about listening to what you're listening to, and you, when you try to tell them about it, they don't know a damn thing about what you're talking about. <laughs> Is there any other bright moments before we <laughs> proceed on? Testify. Testify. Beautiful. Bright moments. Bright moments. Bright moments is like having brothers and sisters and sisterettes and brotherettes like y'all here listening to us. <laughs> Right moments, right moments, right now.
is for all the very wonderful people in the universe that has never known anything about bright moments. So check it out. This is an orchestra, a group of musicians gathered together because of a belief in a particular music. Like all orchestras, this organization is unique in that the artistic ideal is far more important than personal differences. These musicians, for this instance, came from all corners of America. The character of the music to follow is the result of their understanding and adjustment to each other. Some of this music is written, some is improvised. There are times when a musician will express his individuality and other moments when he will melt with the rest 
to create an organized sound. This is a cross-section view of this orchestra. Some musicians love to create sounds of percussion. They like to melt them with a the melody. They have the ability to bring to life strong rhythmic swing and pour it into others. That's a rhythm section. Takes a bass player. Ours, Don Bagley. Another guy, he loves a melody just as he loves a beat. A guitar player, Sal Salvador. Another, a strong determined will, continued spirit. A great obligation to the beat. A drummer, Stan Levy. Some musicians are not content just to play an instrument in an orchestra. This guy arranges, he composes, he wants to be a leader. Someday he will, Bill Russo. A young guy, Keith Moon. Some musicians have a zest for happy excitement. This fellow has few, if any, quiet, moody moments. His trombone playing is an honest reflection of himself. Frank Rossellino. necessary to an orchestra is the constant presence of young musicians with their eager enthusiasm that are just getting started. Guys like trumpeters Reuben McFall and Don Dennis. An orchestra needs good first chairmen. They're like sergeants to an army. They've studied, they know how, they help their men and they show how, like our first saxophone player, Vinnie Dean. saxophone of Bill Holman playing now. He represents a talent that is discontented with music of the present. He's anxious over the future. He writes, he orchestrates too. Within the group of personalities that make up an orchestra, it's also necessary that we have guys that are, are willing to be happy and swing at the drop of a hat. Richie Kamuka. to any group like this is the presence of versatility, a musician capable of creating all moods. At the moment, warm, melting, personal sounds. Connie Condoli.
Within any group of musicians, you'll find men who are in constant study. It seems that perfection is not enough. They want even more. They're intent on achieving greater heights. Fellows like Lee Konitz. there's a baritone saxophone, but in the case of this instrument, I'd like to be personal. The fellow playing here has been a part of every sound since this orchestra began, Bob Gioga. A great first trumpet player besides his schooling, technique and experience must possess wonderful physical stamina. They're sometimes referred to as workhorses. Meet ours, Buddy Childers. A bass trombone is the bottom of an orchestra. Wait a minute, George Roberts. I said bottom. That's better. A first trombone can take black notes from dead paper and bring wonderful life to them. Meet ours, Bob Burgess. and we're lucky because we have one capable of stirring great feelings of fire. Maynard Ferguson. I'm Stan Kenton. I'm the piano player and I'm the leader. The guys call me the old man. They look to me for many things, a plan, final decisions, encouragement, and oh yes, another thing, money.
With high regard and respect for each other's individuality, the ingredients in the variety of a group of personalities can make a music wide in scope. From tender, soft sounds to screaming, crashing Christmas, this is an orchestra! If I told you I'm from outer space, you wouldn't want to believe a word I said, would you? Why should you? You've lost your way. You should have nothing to say. You lost your celestial rights. You can't go to Jupiter. You can't even go to Mars. You can't go to any other of the planets. And out in the stars, you lost your heavenly rights. You were chained and bound to planet Earth. Children of the sun, children of the sun, each and every one is a child of the sun. You're a children of the sun, children of the sun, each and every one is a child of the sun. Children of the sun, children of the sun, each and every one is a child of the sun. Each and every one is a child of the sun. You're a children of the sun. 
children of the sun, each and every one, the child of the sun. we are told to mourn it, we must know that it was a noble sound. It had majesty. Yes, it was majestic. Deep down in the soul of it all, the notes themselves provide the level of revelation we can only expect of great art. It formed a bridge. That's right, a bridge. A bridge that stretched from the realm of dreams to the highways and byways and thoroughfares and backroads of action. To be even more precise, let me say that this sound was itself an action. Like a knight wrapped in the glistening armor of invention, of creativity, of integrity, of grace, of sophistication, of soul, this sound took the field. It arrived when the heart was like a percussively throbbing community suffering the despair imposed by dragons. Now, if a dragon thinks it is grand enough, that dragon will try to make you believe that what you need to carry you through the inevitable turmoil that visits human life is beyond your grasp. If that dragon thinks it is grand enough, it will try to convince you that there is no escape, no release no salvation from its wicked dominion. It will tell you that you are destined to live your life in the dark. But when a majestic sound takes the field, when it parts the waters of silence and noise with the power of song, oh, when this majestic concatenation of rhythm, harmony, and melody assembles itself in the invisible world of music, Ears begin to change and lives begin to change and those who are musically lame begin to walk with a charismatic sophistication to their steps. You see, when, when something is pure, when it has the noblest regions as its fundamental purpose, then it will become a candle of sound in the dark cave of silence. Oh yes, it was a noble sound. I say that it was a noble sound because we are told today that this great sound is dead. We are told that because it did not co-sign the ignoble proclivities of the marketplace, because it did not lie back and relax in the dungeon with riffraff, because it had an attitude of gut bucket grandeur, and because it sought to elevate through elegance. For all of these things, it has died for some a most welcome death. But we must understand that the moneylenders of the marketplace have never ever known the difference between an office or an auction block. They have never ever known the difference 
between the place where bodies were sold and the place where souls were saved. They have never known that there was any identity to anything other than that of a hustle, a shuck, a scam, a game. If you listen to them, they'll tell you that everything is always up for sale. They recognize no difference or distance between the sacred and the profane. For them, everything is fair game to be used in their game. Oh, they chuckle when they hear that the coffin for this noble sound has been built. They offer to donate more nails. They send bouquets instead of wreaths. They feel this sound began to outlive its usefulness the moment it could no longer be abused in the world of prostitution. That world where the beautiful and wondrous act of intimate romance and procreation is reduced to one pitiful fact. A sham ritual in which the customer's appetite for lies is equaled by the prostitute's willingness to tell those lies in whatever detail he is ready to pay for. Tones of lies are vulgar facts, but they are not noble sounds. Oh, but there is another truth, and that truth passes through time in the very same way that an irresistible force passes through an immovable object. That's what I said. This truth is so irresistible that it passes through immovable objects. It is the truth of a desire for a refined and impassioned portrait of the presence and the power and the possibilities of the human spirit. Can you imagine that? A desire for the refined and impassioned depiction in music of the presence and the power and the possibilities of the human spirit. That is the desire that lights the candle in the darkness. That is the desire that confounds dragons who think themselves so grand. We have heard the striking of the match and have felt ourselves made whole in the glow of the candle for a long, long time. It is possible that we who listened heard something timeless from those who are the descendants of the many who were literally up for sale, those whose presence on the auction blocks and in the slave quarters formed the cross upon which the constitution of this nation was crucified. Yet, even after that crucifixion, there were those who rose in the third century of American slavery with a vision of freedom. There were those who lit the mighty wick that extended from the candle and carried it. There were those who spoke through music of the meaning of light. Those who were not content to accept the darkness in the heart that comes when you surrender to dragons who think themselves grand. There were those who said, listen closely now. Those who said, if you give me a fair chance, I will help you better understand the meaning of democracy. Yes, that is precisely what they said. If you give me a fair chance, I will help you better understand the meaning of democracy. These are they who were truly the makers of a noble sound. But as we mourn the passing of this noble sound, we are told to accept the idea that no longer are those blessed who are endowed with majestic inclinations. 
We are told that no longer are those blessed who have the intentions of refining those majestic inclinations into rhythm and tune. If we accept that, however, we just might find ourselves ignoring the democratic imperatives of our birthright. We might fail to understand what was meant way back in the day when the son of liberty had been cloaked by the ignoble practice of slavery. We might fail to understand that those living in the dragon's shadow of bondage fashioned a luminous and mighty chariot that could swing low and carry us back to the home of all human hope, which is heroism. I say heroism because it is ever the quality of bravery, of devotion, of the will to nobility that underscores the marvelous phrases of this music. It swung low, and it swung upward, and it wore wings. It knew that its shining armor would fit it well, because it tried that armor on at the gates of slavery's hell. It was the ethereal aerodynamics of musical art in America. It was democratic, because it proved over and over that the sound of human glory knows no social limitations that the sound of human glory has no concern with pigmentation, that the sound of human glory transcends all definitions except those of the human soul itself. Without a doubt, it was a noble sound. Some people might ask, what is this man doing talking about nobility? Doesn't he know that this is a dragon spawned and blood-encrusted century? Doesn't he know that the dragon breath of our time is breathing down the neck of the year 2000? Doesn't he know that this is the era of flash and cash? I will say to them that the interwoven labyrinths of greed and manipulation are as old as the first lie. When you lie, you are trying to manipulate. And when you try to manipulate, especially for false profit, you reveal your greed. And when you swallow that dragon dust cooperatively, you reveal yourself as a chump and a sucker. One of those folk P.T. Barnum said was born every minute. But I will answer them also by saying that nobility is always born somewhere out there in the world. And when you live in a democratic nation, you have to face the mysterious fact that nobility has no permanent address. You have to face the fact that nobody has nobility's private phone number, even though nobility is not listed in the phone book. Nobility is not listed in the society column. Nobility shows up where it feels like showing up, and where it feels like showing up might be just about anywhere. If it could rise like a mighty light from among the human livestock of the plantation, you know it can come from anywhere it wants to. You see, nobility is listed though. Yes, it is listed. Nobility lists itself in the human spirit. And its purpose is to enlist the ears of the listeners in the bittersweet song of spiritual concerns. As we gather here to mourn the passing of this noble sound, we should take the pains to remember something. There are some of us who don't accept the dreams of dragons as their own, no matter how grand those dragons might say they are. Yes, 
There are some who will refuse to drop the candle even when pushed into a dark cave and locked there behind a stone. Don't forget the people like Duke Ellington who will not leave the field once it becomes obvious that the sound of a cymbal swinging in celebration is more beautiful than the ringing of a cash register. Remember that there are those who, like Duke, are willing to face the majesty of their heritage and endure the slow, painful development demanded of serious study. There is, you must recall, a kind of serious study that will give you the confidence to strike your match to the mighty wick that will illuminate yet another portion of the darkness. Out there somewhere are the kind of people who do not accept the premature autopsy of a noble art form. These are the ones who follow in the footsteps of the gifted and the disciplined who have been deeply hurt but not discouraged, who have been frightened but who have not forgotten how to be brave, who revel in the company of their friends and sweethearts but who are willing to face the loneliness that is demanded of mastery. In order to carry the candle, you have to accept the fact that when the wax on that candle begins to melt, it will slide down and burn your hand. You must be willing to accept the fact that pain is a part of the process of revelation. You have to be willing to take the field and stay on the field the way Duke stayed on the road, traveling in raggedy cars, traveling in private Pullman railroad cars, traveling by bus, traveling by boat, traveling against his will sometimes in airplanes. Duke accepted all the pain and the agony and the self-doubt and the disappointment he was faced with because he had been inspired. Duke was inspired by the majesty he heard coming from the musicians of all hues and from all levels of training. Duke heard the Constitutional Orchestra of American Life and transformed it into musical form. Whenever they said this music was dead, Duke was out there writing music and performing the meaning of his democratic birthright in an artistic language that uttered its first words way back on that first day when a slave sang a new song in this new and strange land. I am here to tell you that there are some who do not accept the premature autopsy of a noble art form. There are some of us out here who are on a quest and in the process of that quest to find ourselves having to perform conquests. There are some of us out here who believe that the majesty of human life demands an accurate rendition in rhythm and tune. Duke performed with Sidney Bechet, with Louis Armstrong, with Coleman Hawkins, with Charlie Parker, with John Coltrane, and wrote music for almost all of them. His own orchestra was described by Mahalia Jackson as a sacred institution. The Duke Ellington Orchestra was the manifestation of the elaborately fabricated drum that Duke called this music. He was dedicated without reservation. He knew that you have to listen to a noble sound. You see, you have to watch out for a tradition built on the intention of putting noble inclinations into rhythm and tune. You have to beware of premature autopsies. A noble sound might not lie still in the dark cave where the dragons have taken it. A noble sound might just rise up and push away the stones that were placed in its path. 
a noble sound might just rise up on the high side of the sky. It might just ring the silver bells of musical light that tear through the cloak of the dragon's shadow which blocked the sun. You got to watch those early autopsies. A noble sound is a mighty thing. It can mess around and end up swinging low and swinging high and flapping its wings in a rhythm that might swoop up over the limitations imposed by the dreams of dragons. I said you better check those autopsies. A noble sound, the birthright understood so clearly by Duke Ellington, just might swing low and it might tell you to get on board. It might move with so much grace and so much confidence that you will have to remember what I've been telling you. You had better not pay much attention to those premature autopsies. This noble sound, this thing of beauty, this art so battered but so ready for battle, it just might lift you high enough in the understanding of human life to let you know in no uncertain terms why that marvelous Washingtonian Edward Kennedy Ellington never, never came off the road. So good. So good. So that was premature autopsies. Written, the words written by Stanley Crouch, and it featured the Winton Marsalis Sextet, um, which uh, had, oh man, let's see here. Went Marsalis on trumpet, of course. Plunger Mute. Freddie Lonzo on the trombone. Teddy Riley on first trumpet. Danny Barker on the banjo. Dr. Michael White on clarinet. Mm, mm, mm. And it comes from the 1989 Columbia album, The Majesty of the Blues. So good. Uh, before that, we heard the one and only Sun Ra with Along Came Ra slash The Living Myth. Sun Ra and his orchestra. And that comes from the album The Space Age Is Here To Stay. In the middle of that set, we heard the one and only Stan Kenton and with a track called Prologue. This is an orchestra. And what was really cool is that he kind of went member by member throughout the band and let them play and he gave a little bit about the personality. I mean, it was the pre-jam by Larry Graham and the Graham Central Station. For those Funketeers out there, you know what I'm talking about. So this is way beforehand. This is like in the 50s and he's doing that and the who's who is just incredible. Stan Levy, Frank Rosalino, et cetera, et cetera, Bill Holman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Lee Konitz. Um, Maynard Ferguson, yeah, just a who's who, uh, yeah, and that's one of my favorite tracks, you know what I mean? Um, and it comes from the album New Concepts of Artistry and Rhythm, so cool. And then we heard a very laid-back blues by the one and only Slim Gaylord. We heard Traveling Blues, uh, which you know, as a person who is right near Cleveland, trust me. He ain't wrong with those those roads and stuff. So, yeah, that's crazy. And I've been to Chicago a few times, too. He ain't wrong with that, either. And that comes from a huge two-CD set compilation called Out and Out Vout from Slim and Slam and Bama Ruti. Tons of great, fun little songs there. But, yeah, 
Slim Gaylord. Whenever I get a chance, I'm using a Slim Gaylord song. And uh, we started off the set with one of my favorite musicians, Rasan Roland Kirk. We heard Bright Moments from the album Bright Moments. So hopefully you've been digging all of this episode, Jazz and the Spoken Word. Hopefully it's given you a lot to think about, uh, some new stuff to dig and to look for to add to your music collection. And yeah, I mean, lots of cool and weird twists and turns from horoscopes to horror-esque scenes like The Clown to wonderful recipes like Spanish rice with Clark Derry um, to talking about the loud minority with Frank Foster, man, to uh, a full who's who by Stan Kenton. I mean, Rasan Roland Kirk Slim Gaylord, Stan Kenton, Sun Ron, Winton, all on the same set. That's pretty crazy. But there's a connecting thread. So remember, you can check out all the details of each one of these tracks and the album artwork on our website, which is Dr. Jazz Podcast, D R J A Z Z Podcast.wordpress.com. Don't forget to leave a review. If you get a chance, we'd love to hear from you. So write to us as well. Uh, yeah, and in the famous words of Duke Ellington, Thank you so very much for listening, and we do love you madly. And until we meet again, and next time, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, y'all be good now, because in jazz, we trust.